Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Wesson Walker back on a Monday. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you joining us for the next three hours. We'll be with you from 12 to 3 p.m. in that entire time. As always, you can text in on the text line. The number to text is 704-570-9610. Share your thoughts and comments at 704-570-9610. The band is back together again. My two guys, Wes and Fitty, had their show launch on Friday. It was a one-day show, but it was still really successful. Special edition. As they had R-Truth on. R-Truth a little bit late. I saw a video I can't wait for everybody else to see. That's going to be circulating on social media, so make sure you follow us at West Bryant underscore 72 for sure. If you're going to follow any individual account, it needs to be West Bryant underscore 72. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that plug. Well, that that's your that's the thing, right? West Bryant is very good at the social media video, so make sure you follow that. But also, you can check us out at Wes and Walker anywhere that you might be surfing the web and surfing social media. But our truth was in here. I was very jealous that I was not going to be able to hang in studio with our truth. One of my favorite moments that we had earlier in the uh, the show's history. And so we got to hear that once again, you can check that interview out on our website, WFNZ.com. Just click the Wes and Walker tab. How was it? How was it having uh, a wrestling star into the studio? Yeah, again? man, it was dope. You know, like I said, I just wish we could have gotten more of it, man. Cause he's just so great. I I mean, you mm-hmm. just want to hog it all. You know what I'm saying? But it was still great the time that he did come in and give us. The time he gave us after the show. Like I said, we got something special coming from you guys. We got the promo uh, out there. We did another promo where I did my audition to be a, a WWE wrestler. Wes, uh, you are so in your moment. It makes me happy to see how happy you are acting out the wrestling scenes <laughs> with a professional wrestler. Because that is the most in your element that you've ever been. It's something that you want to do. You want to be a WWE commentator. And the fact that you are also a wrestler and getting to partake in the shenanigans in the theater that is wrestling with our yes. truth. Yes. Wes, is there any like it? It's it's got to be top notch for you. Yeah, man. It's a lot of fun. You know, SummerSlam weekend. The show was pretty good. Watched that last night with the fam because I had to delay because uh, Bryce got to me on Sunday. Didn't have him this weekend. So we got to watch that. But yeah, man, it's a lot of fun. Uh, doing it. He got to promote his music and stuff like that. So he's got a new single coming soon called Better Play. It was lit. I'm excited. I need to go check it out. It was a busy weekend for me. I got to give Fiddy his credit, man. He... He stepped up, man. He grew a pair. So, so I, I was going to ask about if you if you told our truth yeah. what Fiddy had to say about the sport, and so you decided to pound your chest a little bit in front of our truth, Fiddy. Yeah, and you could have been there to uh, experience it as you answered the phone because we called you like seventeen times to you have called you me once to to have you there. But <laughs> uh, you know, Wes did what he said he was going to do. He he put me on the spot, and, and Truth looked at me and I said, "You guys are actors." That's a bit strong. I came across because I was here for his explanation of what took place in this studio with Steve Smith. So I imagined uh, there might be a little truth, but it's going to be a little exaggerated as well. This is what blows my mind. People have this fabricated belief of what happened when Steve Smith came in the studio. People like you. you. You know what he did? He came in. We'll bring you inside the studio. There's a mic to your right. 
and he sat there and looked across to me because he knew he knew his place. This is my studio. Oh, why are yeah, you doing man. this? this why? And, and so why with our truth, I looked at him and said, "Dude, I believe you guys are actors." And but that sounds a that sounds a lot more like what you might say yeah. than the first thing. That, that's why you, you're we, actors. You jump off of ropes and trampolines, and you're not yeah. you're not yeah, athletes. Yeah, he's definitely adding yep. sauce on to it. We, we we have the interview on the website. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's why we archive this stuff, and you can go back and listen to it on y'all. But enough about us, Walker. You tell us what? about your trip. No pizza was hold, eaten. Hold I was on shocked, one second. We the, well, I I want to know what people are talking about here. Eight oh six. Like, are you guys slacking for the first two hours? Because eight oh six said. Walker takes one day off, and Fiddy and Wes decide to only show up for hour three, apparently. Can you tell me what that's about from the 806 number? They're I have probably, not a clue. They're probably referencing that the first two hours were not podcasted. Got you. Yeah. Okay, so uh, okay. okay, so that was uh, that was the producer's fault. Whose fault was that? That was the the the, the system we used to gotcha. prof. It was called the profiler. Gotcha. It went down at like 10:30 on Friday, so mm -hmm. it. I missed two hours of the show that me and Flounder hosted Friday. Okay. so and it wasn't back up until like in the 2 o'clock hour. It's actually a good complaint then because people want more of the content. So 806, we oh, will we try to... Oh, we were fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I texted both of <laughs> you guys just to make sure everything went smoothly and both of you said it went well. Our truth showing up, even if you showed up late, I imagine that was a lot of fun. And so appreciate everybody listening in and appreciate you guys for holding it down. Let's go ahead and pull up to the scene before we waste any more time and I can talk about my Chicago trip right now by getting off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! I did not have the Chicago deep dish pizza. That is not anything that I partook in, but I did have Harold's fried chicken, which is a staple in the Windy City. And I went up there and had it on Thursday night, getting in late because it was one of the only things open. And then I had it again because it was so good. Harold's fried chicken, let me tell you, the ordering process up there is extremely anxiety ridden for me because I pull up and it, there's not much space inside the restaurant. And it's one of those ordering processes where you have to know what you want and you need to get the order out very quickly because I'm standing <laughs> up there and it's very soup Nazi-ish if you want a Seinfeld reference. Yeah. And it's not like they were rude to me. Just the whole, the, the entire contingency that was there to eat Harold's fried chicken were not about to wait any longer than they had to. Only a couple of people working that late. I went up there. I was about to order a couple pieces fried chicken, just like a two-piece, three-piece dinner. Okay. And they said, no, only wings. We only have wings because they were about to close. And so I got the seven-wing dinner and it was straight fire <laughs> it was fantastic the mild sauce the hot sauce any sauce you wanted to put on it harold's chicken that's what i uh experienced but also i experienced the aquarium and i tweeted at you guys because i was opening up the door for you to clown me a little bit just a little bit i sent out the photo but i didn't even get a sympathy like from clown my own show. show's account I didn't get a like, I didn't get a response, I didn't get a repost, a retweet on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. No sympathy whatsoever. And so, maybe if Wes is too busy hosting the show, I get it. You got a lot of stuff to do when you're driving a segment and driving a whole show. You got guests coming in. But, Fiddy, I couldn't get anything from you, especially from someone 
that always clowns me and or feels paranoid when I don't respond to them via text or anything. I couldn't get anything after I decided to put a tweet out there to the show handle. Can you tell me what gives? And can you tell me about the lack of self-awareness? Because if the roles were reversed, then you would be really angry and upset with me. You know, Wes and I made a made a decree on the on the air that if you weren't doing Chicago type of things, we weren't going to acknowledge your trip. You're in that Chicago. is a Chicago thing. No, Sh- who the Aquarium. hell goes to Chicago to go to an aquarium? Tell me, tell me about all your experiences above the Mason-Dixon line and tell me about the Chicago experience. Okay, tell I me how Delaware was, Fitty. It was a great seven-minute drive because you know, we went one exit off, and that was as far as we went. You, the fact that you had the audacity to go to the Windy City, go to Chicago, and instead of eating deep-dish authentic pizza... You go and visit an aquarium. It's one of the most disrespectful things. You know things. I did other things. You know that there were more days than just the okay. three hour, the two and a half hours I'm trying I spent to think at the of, aquarium. You know, of the other historic things to do while you're in Chicago. Well, let me ask this question because I'm, I'm, already... I'm sure there was a great jazz club you could have gone to. Did, did, did you go to a jazz club? I know jazz was big in Chicago at one point. No? Well, look at Coach and Fitty. First of all, let the me best. say big capping going on here. Let me just go ahead and re- announce that. Uh, first of all, I keep by Twitter on my phone on my personal handle at all times even though I can switch around to different accounts yeah so that's the only reason I didn't see it because mm-hmm. if I had I definitely would have I just went on there and liked it and reposted it uh, for all to see as well and so that's the only reason why I didn't see it I don't know what he's talking about but that, that I gave you the benefit of the doubt you Wes. are the worst Robin of all time Wes uh, this is why I'm Batman <laughs> I'm Batman and I don't have any help because you're you're a terrible wingman there's a couple of insults I was going to leave, but I'm, I'm going I'm yeah. to let them. Go ahead and insult. No, it's Monday, damn it. Let's insult. Football's back. I'm Let's go. Gonna, I'm not going to do that at all. Here is the question I want for the listeners, though, because I did do something very Chicago-esque. In fact, I went to a wedding. That happened on Friday. The wedding reception was hosted by Guaranteed Rate Field. The Chicago White Sox Stadium. Okay. So we got to hang out at the stadium club with the view of the entire baseball field, and it was fantastic. Very cool. In fact, the groom's mother works for the Chicago White Sox, and so that's how we were able to get the hookup. We got the plug. And so if you were to host a wedding reception or just a really fun party at a sports venue, what sports venue would you host said party? Because it's not like I would think about Guaranteed Rate Field, which, by the way, awful name, going from U.S. Cellular field of course changing from what was the great comiskey park i hate that we're like three names removed from it to this extremely corporate awful name it gets worse and worse but it was at chicago white Sox stadium and it was a lot of fun what sports venue would you guys host a wedding reception or a fun party is there anything that you guys can think of oh the smith center oh yeah at&t stadium imagine that your wedding being on that big screen Inside, any, inside uh, AT&T. Any of the new arenas, maybe some of the classic uh, kind of nostalgic ones, but definitely some of the new ones, like the Raiders place, the Death Star. Well, that's what that I was thinking. Fire. I was the, the Death Star. <laughs> I want to host my wedding reception at yeah, the Death Star. That's right. <laughs> Anything called that, it's going to be fantastic. And I was thinking Mercedes-Benz Stadium when that was dropping. Yes. I thought that was real cool. All the new joints. So would you, this is my question, though. I was interested to hear what kind of category you would go with. Would you go with a classic stadium? If you 
you're speaking of the Windy City, would you go to a Wrigley Field and do the whole rooftop thing? Or would you want to go to one of these new crazy state-of-the-art stadiums? Like go to a Jerry's World when that dropped and it was crazy. Seeing that big old Jumbotron put up any of the videos that you guys were experiencing at that time. Is there? I, I think maybe Classic would be cool as long as there were some renovations and then you had the scenery right. surrounding you. Right. So that's why White Sox so was far. fun. Yeah, SoFi would be cool too. So any one of those would be a lot of fun. Yeah, 704 said Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. Um, looking at a couple of other ones, KC Steve. Yes, the White Sox <laughs> were in the news this weekend for other things outside of the wedding reception. KC Steve said, did the whole wedding party watch Tim Anderson get knocked the hell out? No, that happened that night, actually a little bit later. Maybe it was two nights after that. But it was a uh, it was a lot of fun, and the aquarium was cool. I don't know why people are hating on it. We do have 864 say Shed Aquarium is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Clown show. I, see, I don't know why he hates. I walked in, he said, what, what'd you say? Fish guy? I, I just said, what's boy. up, fish boy? Fish boy. Yeah. Look, man, it, it was a lot of fun. Soldier Field, a little underrated. Somebody's writing in as well, but it's right by the water. And that's what's cool about Chicago. It being right next to Lake Michigan, the venues that are right next to the water, getting to see that kind of scenery, very cool. So, a lot of fun for me, but now I'm back to a hater in Fitty and somebody that is uh, at least helping hold the show down in Wes with some <laughs> great promos that you can also find on his uh, social media account at Wes uh, Bryant underscore 72. We have plenty more sports topics to get to. Of course, the Carolina Panthers in the news yesterday. Did they find the answer? to the edge rusher problem they had opposite of Brian Burns. There's a new player, at least at that position. We'll talk about it coming up next on Wesson Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker off and rolling at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Back from my trip from Chicago where Fiddy is making fun of me for not eating deep dish pizza and instead going to an aquarium. Horse show dad wrote in, Walker, deep dish pizza, it's trash. I would have went to an aquarium as well. Have you ever had it, Fiddy? God, that's one of the worst takes I've ever heard. Yeah, I think we should revoke that guy's <laughs> texting privileges. Um, yes, I've had deep, di- uh, deep dish pizza. Did you have a Chicago style hot dog over the weekend? No, I didn't. So I did you, not. You went to a reception or a wedding party in a baseball park and did not have a Chicago dog. You know, it, it's not an awful thing to bring up. But also, it's not like weddings are going to be serving hot dogs like that. But, but you're, you're at right a baseball at venue. I understand. But instead, we had the classic chicken or salmon type of choice and just did that whole wedding meal. Fitting. You went to an aquarium and had salmon at the wedding party. Yeah. Fitting. Yeah, I actually did eat the salmon. Sorry, fish. You know, I love looking at you in an aquarium, but also love eating you when your servant had a yeah, wedding reception. I was reception. about to say, dude, you feel a way about that. Nah, man. Fish. I'm not going to be like that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be weird. People, that- I mean, everyone's a coward about something that they're interested in. Like, Walker likes to look at fish, and he likes to eat them, too. Is that make, does that make me a coward? Oh, so, like, if, if you, you were to go... hypocrite? F- is that the word you mean? Both. Yes. 
if you were to go fishing, if you were to, you know, get a rod and reel and throw Love a fishing. line. Love fishing. Do you take do you take the fish with you or do you throw them back in? Uh, I think mostly a catch and release guy. I don't bring a lot of fish. I, I will. I've done it before, but mostly a catch and release guy for sure. We got a couple of other people writing in about where you would want to have your wedding reception or a fun party. Truist Field was an entry by a 980 number. 704 had a cool one. My daughter went to school with Thomas Davis's daughter and Mr. Davis, showing the respect, Mr. Davis set it up their senior prom at Bank of America Stadium. Now, that would be cool. In high school, getting to go to Bank of America Stadium and have your prom there, yeah. it's better than Bunker Hill having their prom in the cafeteria. Shout out Catawba County. That's how I had my prom. Matt in Greensboro asked if I visited a dispensary while in Chicago. No, I did not. And then Gatorball67 said the shed is great. Natural History Museum, cool too. And uh, they talked about how much they like Wrigleyville. Uh, Wrigleyville. Uh, that's where I went the first time I, I went to Chicago, like in the last couple of years, but have not been since. It was a lot of fun. Real quickly, before we get to Justin Houston, I know you wanted to talk about the Jake Paul fight and the SummerSlam. Give a recap of it. Yeah, I'll give you the Chicago recap, but Wes, this is all you, man. I can't give you <laughs> SummerSlam recap. Well, you know, over the weekend, Friday, we talked about the SummerSlam preview with our truth and uh, it was pretty good. Things went according to plan. We tried to have a little bit of a pool uh, last night while we were all watching in the winter uh, get dessert from the other two being my mom and uh, Bryce, but we were pretty much nailing all of the picks. So uh, for the matches, I mean, Roman Reigns retained his belt. Uh, then uh, Bianca Belair won for the women, and she lost uh, with the money in the bank cash in. The wrestling heads know what I'm talking about. But most of the matches were yeah, pretty good. There were a few um, does. So just so you know, money in the bank is its own pay-per-view. You win the suitcase, beating multiple people. You climb up a ladder, get a briefcase, and then you can cash it in at any time to win the world championship. So Bianca Belair won the match. Her knee was hurt. She was compromised. Then the female Money in the Bank winner, Ido Sky, came down, cashed in her briefcase, and beat an injured Bianca Belair. So that's how that works. And then uh, I watched the Jake Paul Untold on Netflix. Really, really good. I know they got the Johnny Menzel coming up and the Florida Gators one. Watched it. A lot of stuff I didn't know about those guys, him in particular. So, you know, it, it grew interest in me because he had to fight that night with Nick Diaz. So I'm sitting there and you and That's I were Nate Get your fighting Nate? names right. Sorry, Nate Diaz, sorry, man. Come sorry, on, do I got to teach you everything Nate about Diaz. the world of wrestling and fighting? <laughs> yeah, so you know, you and I were talking about it because I told my girl, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get the fight. And she's like, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I'd just watch the highlights. Then as the day goes on, you going to get the fight? Yeah. Are you going to get it? Yeah. And I was like, well, you want to watch it? So <laughs> we, we watched the fight. Um a lot of the fights were pretty entertaining and comparing it to Spence and Crawford. I mean, the Jake Paul fight, like I said, the fighting wasn't the best as far as just the technically sound boxers, but it was very entertaining nonetheless. And so uh, it was just interesting to see how uh, Paul and what he's done for that sport because Mike Tyson in that documentary, he was really singing his praises, talking about what he's done for boxing. He's trying to get other fighters equal pay, uh, things of that nature. So uh, it, it was pretty cool, man. Saturday night, 
not much on, so I ordered that fight. All right, so speaking of cashing in, Justin Houston did just that with the Carolina Panthers. The new Carolina Panthers edge rusher, Justin Houston, a name you've probably heard of if you are a fan of the NFL. Justin Houston, just a monster edge rusher, at least at the beginning of his career, which also coincided with the prime of his career. This will be the fourth team the 34-year-old has played for. It is his 12th season in the NFL. Last year was his second season with the Baltimore Ravens, and he had nine and a half sacks in 14 games played. Nine and a half, getting home a lot as a 34-year-old, but this Mm -hmm. is somebody that was one of the best edge rushers in the NFL earlier on with the Kansas City Chiefs and played with that franchise for quite some time. Houston is 27th all-time and is one of the 41 players to record at least 100 sacks. Thanks to Joe Person for putting some of this together on his article on The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter. At Joseph Person. Love the move. You know, I have been clamoring for an edge rusher, as a lot of the fan base has, opposite of Brian Burns. And I don't know if this means that this is going to be someone that just with this signing himself is going to make the Carolina Panthers the NFC South champion. It doesn't mean that I think Justin Houston coming over means that he's going to have nine and a half sacks and he's going to be playing all of the snaps opposite of Brian Burns with Marquise Haynes every once in a while, YGM taking over every once in a while. But I still love this move, Wes, because as I've said a million times, I did not want the Carolina Panthers to rely on a DJ Johnson, a third round pick already considered a raw prospect to be the guy to set the edge and be opposite of Brian Burns. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have him in the rotation. In fact, it's great to have him in the rotation, but I don't want the Panthers to rely on him having so many snaps and it being the only option. Marquise Haynes, YGM, DJ Johnson. If you have those guys rotating as a pass rusher, sharing 33% Marquise Haynes, whatever more, right? Whatever, however you want to divvy up the snap count, there was a lot of uncertainty with those guys. You have something a little more dependable with Justin Houston. And you paid him a decent amount of money. He's going to get $7 million this loan season. He's going to get $6 million guaranteed this loan season. But the money's off the books. I mean, if you can afford to pay somebody that much, and you want to have somebody that is a little more dependable, that did get close to 10 sacks, even if you cut it in half, maybe you can get the rest of that half from Marquise Haynes, who's looked really good this offseason. I still expect there to be a nice rotation as somebody who is older in the NFL, but also very good. Still, you don't have to put him out there a million different snaps. You can still share it with somebody like Marquise Haynes, who looks good. DJ Johnson can get his feet wet in the NFL playing his first season. And YGM, after he gave you those comments, literally the same day that they decided to go sign Justin Houston, where YGM says the fan base says they need another edge rusher. I'm here to quiet all those comments and actually had a pretty good day out. Now you have a handful of guys that can give you different things that are at different stages of their career, and you can deploy them whenever you want, however Ejero Avero deems fit. Love the signing. I wanted any edge rusher that I felt good about. Justin Houston is someone I feel good about. Uh, Okay, so here's my thing about it. 
when I look at this, I feel like the timing of it, and this is just all reckless speculation. Again, I don't work for the Carolina Panthers, obviously, but just reckless speculation. I just feel like that they've gotten into the past. They've gotten a chance to see what the other pass rushers have, and I just think they aren't too thrilled about what they've got as far as opposite Brian Burns. I felt like at this point they felt, all right, let's go ahead and make a move. We see what we're working with. We may not get what we want out of DJ Johnson this season. That's not to say – he can't be a, a, a really good player uh, coming up for the Panthers. And then, again, this is just me speculating. I just feel like that maybe they feel like he's not ready quite yet. They're not getting what they want out of YGM, perhaps. Marquise Haynes, they feel like they can keep him uh, in that role. And so, yeah, it's it's a, it's a an, it's an okay signing, in my opinion. The, the thing I'm looking at, though, is he only had a half a sack in his last seven games of last season. And so I'm just wondering, is the age, him being 34, did that catch up to him after a hot start to last year? Now, the thing that you do like coming off of it to maybe see that maybe he does still have it is that his average pass rush get-off was .75 seconds last season. That was the fourth quickest in the NFL behind Brandon Graham, Nick Bosa, and Hassan Reddick. So that's pretty good company when you're talking about a get-off, and that's according to next-gen stats. So you see that uh, that first step and that burst is still there. It's just does he have enough in the tank to be able to be productive all season long. And so that's kind of the the glass-half-empty uh, approach to this signing. So I think that uh, he, he can help, no doubt about it. It's just a matter of how much gas is in the tank, how do they need to use him, and is this an indictment against the guys they had on the roster already as to why the timing of this move and why this happened uh, when it did. So to put it simply for you, Wes, you think this signing tells us more about what the Carolina Panthers feel about YGM, Marquise Haynes, and DJ Johnson than them liking Justin Houston with him being free. You're just saying, okay, this actually tells us more about the guys on the roster before Justin Houston more than it says anything about the veteran edge rusher. Yeah, because I think that with them sitting there, they could have signed Justin Houston already. I know vets like to avoid camp and, and things of that nature. Maybe this was something they said they were going to do all along, but he's still going to have to participate in camp. So there's that theory. I just feel like they were like, all right, let's wait until we get into the pads. We can see the physicality of these guys. We can see what type of plays they can make on a day-in, day-out basis with the pads on in live action and then assess from there. And then once I feel like they felt – and maybe not that these guys are bad, but I just feel like they were like, all right, we could still use something extra on the other side, so let's go get a guy now after we've got a chance uh, to evaluate what we've got. Well, now you just have options. You just have some – instead of YGM not working out, okay, let's cross our fingers. Let's hope YGM shows us something at this point in his career – compared to what he's shown us the first three seasons of his NFL career. Let's hope that he does something different. Mm -hmm. You don't have to rely on that. Let's hope Marquise Haynes, after a career year, having five sacks last season, hey, let's put it to the test. Somebody who, by the way, is, I believe, four and a half years younger than Justin Houston, so it's mm -hmm. not like Marquise is a spring chicken by any means, yeah. but still an effective football player in his role. I, I know people have tried to tab him with the Mario Addison type – little different to me. Mm -hmm. uh, Mario Addison was really good as a situational edge rusher and then came in as an above average guy once he got more snaps and was opposite of, I believe, Charles Johnson for a little bit. I think helping out with Julius Peppers. I think there was some overlap there. I, I don't view Marquise Haynes as Mario Addison. But now you have so many different looks opposite of Brian Burns, Wes. 
You got Justin Houston, who also fits well as a 3-4 outside linebacker. Somebody who has played in that type of system. And so when Avero wants to do the odd man front thing, you can go to Justin Houston in those situations. And if YGM wasn't comfortable making that transition, now you have a veteran that knows what it means. And you don't have to play him as many snaps as he did when he was getting 22 sacks the third year, I think, second year of his NFL career. And you can just have all of these different guys rotate. The young guys can develop. Also, some veteran move here, like mentorship, that could be passed down, not from Justin Houston to YGM or DJ Johnson. No, that's something he can add. But what about Brian Burns, too? Yeah. Especially with those guys being freak athletes, maybe Brian Burns can learn something from Justin Houston because they are from a similar build as far as the athleticism, the get off on the line of scrimmage. I like this move, and I'm glad they did something where we would always talk about Leonard Floyd, Yannick Ngakwe, Jadevian Clowney, and Justin Houston. I, I'm not pining for any of those other guys. And like, oh man, we, we should have jumped on. We should have pounced on one of these other guys sooner. It, just give me somebody from that handful of guys that I just mentioned. Any of them. We saw Leonard Floyd go to the Buffalo Bills earlier in the process. Yannick Ngakwe signed with Chicago a few days ago. So just a couple of days before you signed Justin Houston. I just wanted one. And you got somebody that was pretty productive last year. So do you think, though, if YGM or Marquise Haynes or any of those guys really stepped out and emerged and looked like a quality NFL starter at that position, they still make this move? Well, I'm glad they did. I guess it's just that my lack of confidence in <laughs> the, the ring the bell. That was the question. <laughs> I think for me, I don't know why you would rely on that if they haven't shown it at all. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's we got... We have three years of YGM having not sure. provided anything like that yet. Eight and a half sacks in three years. It's not much. And then when you talk about one week of padded practices, mm -hmm. you, it, this is this is the time to pounce on it. Yeah. Plus, it's only one year. You don't have money locked up for the next couple of seasons. And so for me, there's no holdover. It's not like you've got this locked up to now you can't have that money go towards a Brian Burns. It's one season. Who cares? Yeah, you paid a decent amount. I mean, $6 million, that's starter money. You know, $7 million overall, $6 million guaranteed. That's starter money. But go ahead and give the vet his start if you want to. Have him come out and be the guy that can you know, help Brian Burns out. and any, Just whatever, right? You can give him whatever starter-level snaps mean. But now you can also go to some of the other guys that are on the roster. Yeah, I, I'm totally fine with this. Would you have rather have them pounced earlier and gotten a Leonard Floyd, Yannick Ngakwe, I have a feeling you're totally fine not getting Jadevian Clowney with our debates in the past, <laughs> but would you rather have had somebody else or do you kind of view them all as the same? Yeah, I mean, I think Leonard Floyd would have been a guy that you looked at and maybe been like early in the process, been like, okay, this is a guy that we should maybe go and get if we really want to bolster uh, our pass rush. When you look at, uh, you know, some of the things that he's done over the last three seasons, he's had nine and a half sacks or nine sacks or better. And uh, you look at him as well when you talk about the age, a little bit younger guy, 30, still, you know, for the NFL, considered a cagey vet. But I think, too, he can show his value, as you said, helping guys out because uh, they said he's garnered the nickname Yoda or Sensei from his younger teammates. And I think he can not just help uh, Brian Burns, but he could probably come in and help all of those guys. And I think that was something 
that was considered as well. They're like, okay, this is a guy that could come in, help out the YGMs and help out the Marquise Haynes on top of being a mentor to a guy like Brian Burns, who I'm sure is aspiring to be the type of player to have 111 and a half career sacks. So uh, I think that will be another area he can really show value. Uh, we had been talking about guys like Leonard Floyd and Yannick Ngakwe. I didn't realize Yoda was available to also rush the passer. Yes, I'm, yes. I'm going to take Yoda, okay? <laughs> I'm going to take Yoda any day of the week to go after the passer, and he can just move everybody with the force. Moose wrote in, Houston is better against the run and was ranked in the top 20 versus others too, so he can help in the run game even a little bit. Uh, AJ wrote in, they ha- also haven't been in pads that long. I don't think they pull the plug that quick on what our younger edges can be. I think it's more of what Walker is saying, just adding depth and options. Totally agree. Yeah, I think it is just about adding some of the options. So you can go in feeling good. Okay, if YGM doesn't work out, if Marquise Haynes doesn't work out, or, I mean, even still, if Justin Houston falls off a cliff because he is older, even still, it's not going to be on your books except for this season, and you can still find different ways that he can be productive, or he could be Yoda. And just teach these guys something with better, fresher, available bodies that aren't 34, 35 years old. I still think that's a, another reason to bring him aboard, as we talked about. 704-570-9610. Feel free to share what your thoughts are on the Justin Houston signing. We'll get to the campus corner in just a moment, but not before we get to the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? It's all right to be little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. You know, Walker, I had a source tell me when they signed Justin Houston that Scott Fitterer shook his hand and said, Yoda man. (laughs) I wish I didn't like it, but I do. I do like it. Uh, This will be a good way to lead us into the campus corner. The preseason coaches poll is out. Georgia received 61 of the 66 first place votes. The top five is rounded out by Michigan. Bama checks in at three. The Ohio State number four, LSU number five. Locally, North Carolina checked in at number 20. And their week one opponent, South Carolina, they did not make the list. So according to the coaches, it will not be a preseason top 25 matchup at the bank and week one. Does it take some of the fame out of this game or the intrigue? I don't think it does for me, but there is something that comes with a top 25 matchup. Now we can't say that technically with North Carolina and South Carolina kicking things off in Charlotte. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. Hopefully it'll be a good game. I am excited for it. Remember, Team Week is still going on and it will lead us up to that kickoff between those two programs. We're going to start with Duke on the other side, not of this break, but the next one, the one o'clock hour, we'll lead off talking about Duke's recent success and their recent history, but we'll continue to talk about some college football topics. Conference realignment, it strikes again. We're talking about it next. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Hit up the socials WFNZ, Twitter and Instagram. 
at Walker Mail, at HTB underscore Josh, and at West Bryant underscore 72 on those same platforms. You can check out all the goodies that we bring for you guys. Question of the day, we put up there every day for you guys to respond. I love uh, getting responses from you guys. But for now, let's go to the campus. Kona. All right, more realignment news hit over the weekend. In case you don't know, after the Big Ten added Oregon and Washington, the Big 12 already added Colorado or the Colorado Primes, whichever you want to call them. But they also accepted applications (laughs) from Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. The Pac-12 is now down to four teams with only Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State remaining only for the second time in the history of college football have we witnessed the downfall of a power conference. This happened to the Southwest Conference in the mid-1990s. So a lot of schools in the Pac-12 facing a crazy future. Nick Saban dropped his thoughts off about what he thinks about what's been going on. And it's Nick Saban, as you would expect. Look, I did not hear what anybody's comments have been about this. Um, look, there's a lot of traditions that we've had for a long time in college football, and uh, I think we're in a time of evolution for whatever reasons. Um, and some of those traditions are going to get sort of pushed by the wayside, I think. And that's sad. Um, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent for college football, I guess you have to define what is good, bad, what is good and bad for college football. So um, I think one thing I would just hope that we would keep in mind in all the choices and decisions we make relative to what we do in college athletics is the student-athlete. They're here to get an education. want to try to help them develop careers on and off the field. Uh, And hopefully some of the choices and decisions that we make for college athletics in the future will impact them in a positive way. And I hope that we can keep that as a priority in terms of uh, whatever we decide to do. All right. So when you look at this now, man, I feel like this is where NIL's impact is hitting the hardest because I felt like back in the day, if you needed money from your boosters and you made a lot of money as a program, you could afford to get the facilities and that in a lot of ways would attract recruits on top of your winning pedigree. But now these schools, they need money. They need to be able to pay these recruits. They got to be able to keep up with the Joneses. And so I think this is where uh, NIL's impact has been felt the most with this realignment. Uh, They need that TV money on top of money from uh, said boosters, et cetera, to be able to pay these recruits. That's not the only reason, but I feel like that's a big part of all of this. But, Walker, what do you think about this? Does this change your interest in college football after seeing history and traditions being left behind for more money in these new super conferences? Well, I mean, clearly, we care about the ACC, and then a lot of us also care about the SEC in this part of the country. We are quite literally as far away as you can get from the Pac-12 being here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then you talk about the triad area. Mm -hmm. You're not looking at Pac-12 games all that much unless you are a college football junkie. What you care about, like so many people that take in and consume 
Boom College Sports, it is the regional uh, regional bias that you have. It is that regional fandom, and that's what's going to be unfortunate. Because, yeah, the Pac-12, not the strongest football conference in the world. You did have a couple of schools like Washington that I think made a college football playoff one year within the last, what, like six seasons, something like that. It had been a while, but they did make it. Even still, I don't know if you think of Washington as this monster college football powerhouse, but they are a pretty good program. Yes. Oregon. You do view them as a powerhouse. You have seen them get to the championship game the last couple of times, um, at least a couple of times since 2011. They didn't win it, but at least they've gotten there a couple of times. USC, while they're not the storied Reggie Bush, Matt Leinard days anymore, you do have someone that did take home a Heisman Trophy this past season. Lincoln Riley goes over there to salvage what is somewhat of their tradition. I mean, they do have a tradition over there at USC. My point is... There just wasn't enough outside of a couple of schools, I guess, to continue the intrigue as far as people taking in viewership of Pac-12 schools. I don't like it because I don't want this to infiltrate other conferences, but it already is happening. And I'm just hoping that the ACC holds on because Florida State has they've been barking a bunch. I mean, they've been talking very loudly, very publicly how bad they want out of this conference if they do not change dramatically the financial distribution part of the grant of rights that they have, right? But they signed it in 2016. I don't expect them to leave anytime soon. We do know that they want out. I just hope that the ACC is able to stick together. Does seem like a lot of athletic directors want to stick together, but the Pac-12, it gets disbanded, and I just don't want it to come over to the East. <laughs> I just want it to stay over there, and hopefully it doesn't happen anymore. But, of course, we've seen conference realignment um, happen quite a bit over the last you know decade now. It's been mm -hmm. crazy. No doubt about it. I get selfish about this. I don't want the ACC to be touched, and I wouldn't mind if they expanded. But at the same time, as a fan with these super conferences, yeah, it thinks that some of the traditions and things of that nature are going to the wayside. But, man, are we going to get some great regular season college football games that are going to come out of this. When you talk about some of those big uh, 10 matchups and some of those SEC matchups that we're going to get, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to get games that we would normally only see in bowl games or specially marked uh, regular season neutral site games, a lot of them to start the year. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do feel like that for a lot of the people, the traditionalist, this has to not be uh, favorable favorable to them because they're going to miss some of the traditions, the rivalries that have been uh, broken up. So I just, like I said, as a fan, I do like it a little bit. I hate the fact that it could probably get condensed down to just two conferences that people really care about. But that's just where we are at now, and we have to just decide as fans what it is that we want to do. Well, and I don't want that to happen either. But as we talk about the tradition, I'm not saying the Pac-12 doesn't have any. I'm saying that there's a lot more tradition the closer east that you get. Yes. You do have the Battle of the Jeweled Shillelagh between mm -hmm. USC and Notre Dame. I understand that you have that one. I've always loved that title and that rivalry. And you have a couple. But what are some of the – I mean, Fiddy, you can speak to this too. I heard you talking about it from 10 to 12. What are some of the traditions, the, the most important ones that we're missing out on now that the Pac-12 has disbanded and now you're really you're talking about a Pac-4? Uh, the death of the Rose Bowl is, is and like it was already changing with the Rose Bowl being in the college ball playoff. That's the most historic bowl game you have in college athletics. And so you're talking about a Pac-12 team versus a Big Ten team. Yeah. But you're still going to get the same schools. And so what you're in some of these, right? Like if Oregon was among the best in that conference, if USC was among the best in that conference, 
then you're still getting the same schools participating. You're just not getting a Pac-12 versus a Big Ten. So this is a genuine question. How much does it change that you're still getting the same schools, right? Like the, the, the schools that were always competing for a Rose Bowl appearance anyway, they're still going to be competing for a Rose Bowl appearance. They're just not going to be doing it in the Pac-12 anymore. Yeah, they're conference members. It's just going to be a conference game at the most historic venue in the sport. And that changes a lot to you because, to me, I don't know if it changes a ton. I just am worried about the Big 12 – or not the Big 12. I'm worried about the ACC and some of these other, other rivalries getting disbanded if you have – rivalries here on the eastern part of the country that move on to different conferences that's what i'm gonna hate like that's that's what i don't want to see happen i don't know if there's been huge college football tradition so changed from the pac-12 that it's affecting me over here in north carolina yeah but i I understand i don't want to infiltrate that either like i don't want this to be a slippery slope yeah i just think that at the end of the day like i said some of the traditions and rivalries it's all good i'm not too caught up in those and when you just look at the history of college football uh, you know, these things have happened uh, over time. For, before we get out of here, uh, Wake Forest suffered a significant injury. Wide receiver Donovan Green is out three to five months following a knee injury. This is a guy I voted to be uh, all ACC this season. He's Wake all-time leading uh, receiver when you talk about yards per catch, 18.6. He missed all of 2021 20, as well. So uh, this is a guy, hopefully he can have a speedy recovery, but you hate to see it awake because this guy looked to have the breakout season that many people uh, thought that he would in Winston-Salem. And when we return, it's team week. It's the Duke Blue Devils. We're going to talk about their recent history right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.